Hey, I'm Jamie Glowacki, and you are listening to Oh Crap, I Love My Toddler, But Holy Fuck. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. Welcome, welcome. All right, before we dive into the meat of this episode, I wanted to share a story. So recently, my best friend and I concocted a plan to send our kids on public transportation to go downtown and roam without any adult supervision. Now, bear in mind, these kids are 12, 13, and 14. Uh, My best friend lives out in farm country. I live in Providence. I'm in the city, but I'm not like right downtown. But I do consider public transportation to be huge. And in fact, my best friend's daughter did go to D.C. recently, and she was a delegate for 4-H, and it was this huge convention, and they had a chaperone. But a couple of the people that they went with were petrified of taking public transportation. And it really, it, it stuck with me because I was like, wow, here are like 16 and 17 year old young adults old enough to be in DC with just a chaperone and yet petrified to take public transportation. And it goes into that thing that we're doing, right? It's like keeping our kids too young or letting our fear, letting our feelings get in the way of teaching some real life skills. And I do consider public transportation a life skill. So it was really funny because we, you know, concocted this plan. Um, I told the kids, you know, here, I'm going to give you some money. You got to take the bus. You got to figure it out. You know, fig- I gave them like a scavenger hunt kind of thing of things to look for downtown, mostly because our downtown isn't when I was a kid, it was more like you could go shopping and do those kinds of things. And it was hilarious because my mom freaked out. She's like, they're too young. They're too young to go downtown. And I was like, oh, my God. When I was their age, I was not only going downtown by myself, but I was going shopping with money I had earned by myself. So there's such a difference in the generations. And it was really funny because Pascal and the kids were like, why is this such a big deal for you? Like, this doesn't seem like that big a deal. And I was like, you guys, we kind of have to concoct these scenarios because we just don't have that sort of freedom life for our kids in in many situations. If you still live in a town where your kids do have that freedom, that is awesome. But for a lot of us, you know, there's no other kids around. So it's really hard to give your kids that, that freedom that we talk about that I grew up with in past years, you know, because largely speaking, there's just no other kids around. So anyway, I just thought it was really funny. The kids did great. Pascal sent me a text like, hey, mom, we're having so much fun. They ended up, they found the mall, which of course they did because they're teenagers, right? So it ended up being, they were gone all day and it ended up being this great thing. And Pascal was really stoked too. It's like, you know what? I want to do that with all my other friends. And so just keep in mind, I know your kids are nowhere near this stage, but it's it goes back to that thing I'm constantly harping on, which is there's no magical age where a kid just knows how to do things, whether it's using a knife, whether it's taking the bus, whether it's shopping on their own, riding their bike out of out of your sight. It's not like all of a sudden at a certain age, it just happens. So we sort of have to come up with these scenarios and it can be challenging because we have to we have to confront our own feelings. Now, I wasn't particularly nervous this day. I just wasn't because I knew between the three of them, they'd figure it out. You know, it wasn't like sending. I think I would have been a little bit more nervous if it were just Pascal. But even then, we have to put our feelings aside and kind of look logically and say, you know what? At 13 years old, a kid really should be able to handle X, Y and Z on their own. And if I don't think so, that's my problem. Right. And so we can't let our feelings get in the way of our kids growth. 
So anyway, that that's my little story. And I, today I just wanted to jump in on a really cool thing that one of the old crap consultants, Flavia, handed me or handed me. She sent me a really awesome TED talk by a guy named Scott Sampson. And it's how to fall in love with the outdoors for your kids and how falling in love with the outdoors is better than any video game. And when Flavia sent this to me, I have to be honest, I was like, what? Why do we have to quantify this? Like, just let your kid be in the outdoors playing and discovering, you know, why is this a thing? And that I remembered a few things. I remembered that most of us, again, don't live in the kind of setup where we can just let our kids outside and wander and explore with other kids. And we just don't live in that world anymore, right? It used to be a generation ago, five-year-olds were considered capable enough to walk to school alone. It, it really was. And now we wouldn't even dream of doing that, right? But the second thing is because of that, we're often with our kids out in nature. And oh my God, we are the biggest killers of wonder. We as adults and parents can smash a good time of discovery and exploration faster than anything. So what I want to do is I want to take you through Scott Sampson's TED Talk, and I'm going to link it in the show notes so you can peruse it at your at your leisure. I want to share not only his ideas, because I think they're brilliant, but I also want to parallel that with how not to stomp out all the creative fun. So Scott is a paleontologist, and he's the CEO of Science World. He's also the author of How to Raise a Wild Child, and he's pretty realistic about the way things are for us in this modern world, and yet how we can help our children fall in love with nature. The first thing he brings up is that you don't have to be out in the woods or any particular outdoorsy place. A simple walk around the block will do. I think this is such an important thing, especially when your kids are two, three, four years old, right? We get this idea in our heads, and you guys know how I feel about this, that we have to like create these memories, right? We have to create big things for our kids to remember. And it's just not true. And I just, I see this all the time, creating memories, making memories, making memories. You guys, you're making memories every single day. And if you look back on your memories as a child, it's usually not these big things. And Scott even brings this up in the TED Talk is like they made this yearly trip to a national park and it was this big deal. That's not what made him fall in love with the outdoors. So it really can be a simple walk around the block. The big trick, he says, the very first thing is notice. He suggests a simple exercise when you step outside Pause for 10 seconds. You yourself notice. Notice the air, the temperature, the clouds. Breathe in the space and ask yourself questions. Ask these questions of yourself and your child because it shows that you value the outdoors and your children are going to value what you value. And I think that's probably the biggest thing we have going on right now. We're going to talk about technology in a minute, but You know, if you're constantly on your phone, it's not, we know that it's not great for what you're giving your kids. We know it's not great for interaction. But the problem is if it seems like you value technology, then your child's going to value technology, right? If you show you value outdoors, your child's going to value outdoors. So I want to add in a bunch here because I think in this notice, notice all these things, take a minute and pause 
This is where we can all be guilty of killing the joy. Notice, but don't teach. Ask questions, but then shut up and listen. I talk about this. This is a whole chapter in Oh Crap, I Have a Toddler, right? We need to collectively shut the hell up a whole lot more than we do. We need to back off these educational moments, quote unquote, educational moments. Stop thinking you have to fill the vessel of your child's mind. You do not. You need to be their guide in their wonder. You need to facilitate. You need to ask, but then be sure to listen. And Scott Sampson brings this up. I just wanted to highlight it so much because, again, not only is it a chapter in my book, but I see this across the board. And in the book, I I bring this up, right? There's this, um, the example I give is this mom. I was at the beach and this mom <laughs> next to me, I could hear her son say, mommy, look, a, a circle. The kid was like two and a half. He had drawn a circle in the sand. And this mom, no word of a lie, busts out into pie, an explanation of pie, 3.14, right? A mathematical concept. Craziness. This kid's two and a half. She was going crazy, like thinking, okay, what a teachable moment. I'm going to ignore the fact that my kid just wants me to look at his circle and maybe draw with him in the sand and instead fill his little, you know, open mind, his sponge of a mind with the concept of pie, which is nuts, right? This also has to do, I'm going to, I'm going to go off the rails here on Scott Sampson's TED talk, but this also has to do with your teacher voice. And I bring this up in, in the book, right? Kids can smell your teacher voice a mile away and it shuts them right the fuck down, like immediately. And seriously, as a homeschooling mom, learning how to disseminate information without that teacher voice has been like the biggest challenge for me. <laughs> when they're little, you don't have to give them all the back information right? Let them see things, let them notice things and just be with it. In the article I'm linking with Ted, uh, um, Scott Sampson, he, he does say this. There's an example of a boy and, uh, with ants. And it's funny because Pascal had the same thing. We had gone on an hour long walk around the block when he was like, I don't know, three or four. We came home to these ants coming out of this crack in the driveway, and he was so into it, we literally spent five hours out there. I got a lawn chair. I got an umbrella. I got lunch. We gave the ants some fruit. We watched them go nuts trying to carry big pieces of watermelon. Luckily, I know squat about ants, so I couldn't make this a teachable moment. I was just sort of happy as a mom that uh, that I got five hours to sit with a book while my kid geeked out on these ants coming out. So I just, I naturally shut up, but it was so cool for him. I have no idea where his mind was. I didn't need to know, right? Get that. I didn't need to know where his mind was. I didn't need to guide his mind in that moment. He was so full of noticing and wonder. I could just leave it. So that's what I encourage you. We, we wreck these moments with our kids, right? We wreck these moments when they're full of wonder and we say, oh, let me, let me see where his mind is. Cause maybe, just maybe he's going to, you know, work with bugs. Maybe he's going to be a biologist. We, we start quantifying this when they're two or three years old and it's kind of fucked up. <laughs> you don't need to know as long as your kid is being full of wonder, let them watch and let them just geek out on it. 
I also think that once we do the mommy voice, it's hilarious. My a friend just put this on Facebook. She and her kids are visiting. They're in Florida. And her daughter, I think her daughter's about seven. She said, mommy, is that a Spanish hotel? It seems to have a Spanish name. And the mom goes on and she says, yeah, a lot of things here are Spanish because, you know, Florida was settled by Span." And the kid cuts in. And she goes, oh, my God, I'm bored already. And it cracked me up because, yeah, that's exactly what happened. The mom put on her teacher voice. She was like, oh, this is such a great teachable moment. And she lost her kid because the kid was like, yeah, I'm all set. Thanks. I don't I just wanted to know if it was a Spanish name. I didn't need to know the whole history. All right. Moving on to Scott's TED Talk. The next thing he brings up is you want to engage your child in the outdoors. Here, he also goes into the fact that asking questions is more important than knowing the answers like I was just harping on. But I love his point that we often forget to let our kids actually hands-on engage in the outdoors. And a lot of that is we say no, right? We say, no, 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 no. Put that stick down. Put that rock down. No, don't go in the creek. And so it gets very tricky because, yes, we don't, of course, we don't want your kid throwing rocks. But in general, we rush to know, don't do that. So I challenge yourself when you're outside, whether you're on a walk in the woods or even just around your block, let your child engage. They are hands-on learners. They have to get dirty. They need to pick things up. They need to often lick it, smell it, put it in their mouth, right? Engaging in all the parts of the outdoors, even if it is that simple walk around the block, let them climb up things like stone walls and jump down. In this section, Scott says, never call anything a hike, right? You want to call it an adventure? Calling it a hike will end badly. I don't know what this is. I don't know if you guys have experienced this with your little ones. Maybe they're too little at this point, but I know that kids hate the word hike, and I'm not exactly sure why. My kid and his friends began to have such a crazy strong reaction to the word hike that I had to dig in, and I swear, I just, like, I needed to figure this shit out. They, I mean, like, they were miserable. Like, I don't want to go on a hike. I started to figure some things out. First off, nature walks aren't really hikes. So at the age your kids are, they probably are going on nature walks, right? They're not going on hikes. And how I figured this out is twofold. Number one, we have a local mountain. Um, it's called Mount Monadnock. It's a three miles up and down, but it is straight up for a mile and a half. And it's got like those big rocks. So you're not bouldering so much as you are. You're just scrambling over rocks. And it's a challenge. And every time we have brought the kids there, and I think the youngest was, the youngest has been five. And of course, the oldest has been, you know, 14. There is zero complaint. Zero. The kids just love it. They have a blast. We get to the top. I think climbing mountains is very... um what do I want to say? It's destination dependent. You got to get to the top, right? There's no circular motion. It's like, let's get to the top. And once you're at the top, you have to get down. I have a friend who doesn't have kids and she gets really pissed off that people call nature, nature walks hike. She's like, that's not a hike. It's a nature walk. So all by way of saying, it doesn't matter what you call it. It's just, that's where I started to pinpoint why kids might hate the word hike. The other thing is a total random side note. The other thing about a hike up a mountain that's so wonderful is we, again, have to sort of almost look for these scenarios where we build, quote unquote, grit and resilience. 
And climbing a mountain is the biggest one because your kid is going to get to the top. They're going to be sweaty and gross and and not maybe not even having the best time. But by God, they're going to get to the top. The other thing is it doesn't matter on the way down. I've heard kids, you know, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. Guess what? There's no helicopter coming in to save you. So suck it up, buttercup. We got to get down the mountain. So just so you know, if you can find these smaller mountains, they're really great for building that, that sort of resilience that we're always looking for in kids. Anyway, knowing that I realized that kids don't like the word hike when it's not actually a hike, right? If you're just doing a little walk around the local pond or the local park, it's not a hike. But here's where I really started to realize where we are the number one killers. We, the parents, like to complete things, right? When we go on a walk and we're in the woods, and let's say it's one of those that has like, you know, paintings on the trees, like the red trail, the yellow trail, the blue trail, right? I started to look around me at my friends and all the parents around me. And it's like, we're going to do the red trail. And holy shit, we're going to do the red trail. The kids don't want to complete. They want to explore in the woods. And this is what I started to notice. And I really had to ask a couple of my friends to stand down because they were like, no, come on, you guys, let's go. Let's keep going. And the kids were exploring in a puddle. They had sticks that were swords. They were playing. They were finding worms. They were, un, you know, upending rocks and finding all the stuff that was underneath. They were building forts with sticks. They wanted to explore in the woods and we wanted to complete the trail. Right. And so check yourself if you think that's what's going on. If you find yourself having to say, come on, come on, let's go. Let's finish. Stop, take a breath and see what your little one is doing. Now, I know that sometimes as parents, like that's our only movement, right? Like we only have the walk in the woods to get our legs walking and get some exercise, get some movement in our bodies. But if that's what you're doing, know that that's what you're doing and share that with your kid and say, you know, maybe you can compromise. Maybe you can say, hey, can we do the red loop once and then we'll come back and build a fort? Can you, if you're with other people, can one of you do the red loop while the kids are playing and then the other one do the red loop? So there's always sort of a little compromise. But I would say at this point, don't make that your only movement, right? Like if your kids are super down with exploring, let them explore. You're going to find less kickback. So if your kid's like, no, I don't want to do a hike, then check yourself and see if that's what you're guilty of. Because I swear to God, I at least three friends, I had to say, guys, like, stop. The kids hate this because we're making them just walk. Like, is there anything more boring? Like you go outside in nature to observe nature. And then all we're doing is pushing them to walk along the trail and leave all the nature behind. So it's um it's very interesting. And I even traveled it was so funny. I traveled with a family to Costa Rica and we were in the rainforest and the kids just kept stopping and they were like kind of hooting back to the to to the animal sounds that they could find trying to mimic the animal sounds. And the mom was just so intent, like, no, you need to be quiet. No, you need to keep moving. And I was like, holy shit, like we're here because we're like observing and the kids are having fun with it. So can we just like slow down on the completion of the trail? So, yeah. Check yourself on that. Lastly, Scott brings up wonder. Yeah, and this is so huge. And in this part of his talk, I love how he brings up that he's not suggesting that we do this huge back to nature shift. Yeah, 
He says that technology really has a place. We don't have to, you don't have to be this staunch, like I'm a nature person and issue with all technology. There really is a way to meld both. And I think that's really, really cool. There are science apps. There are nature apps, identifying plant apps. So you can really use technology even while you're out and about. And I think that's just really cool. On another trip to Costa Rica that Pascal and I took by ourselves, he is really into birds. So we did this bird walk that, you know, for me, I thought, oh, cool, we're going to be seeing all these tropical things. But no, we saw like the minutia of the birds in Costa Rica. It's a rabbit hole that my son is in that it's not like my favorite, but it just happened to be a high sloth day. So I geek out like probably most of the world on sloths. And the bird, the guy in charge of the bird tour had this app from Cornell. And it was so cool because it did the actual bird calls. So not only could he do bird calls and get like a response from the opposite sex of the birds, but he was showing us how fast sloths can actually move. And he did a hawk um, sound on the app and he put the volume up and the sl- it was so crazy. Um, sloths can react really fast to hawks because hawks eat them. So, you know, this whole idea that sloths only move really slow was kind of crazy because the sloth looked up and scrambled. I've never seen a a sloth move. It must have been a male sloth because he did a female call to the sloth. And you should have seen the sloth. He like got, he looked right at us and he had this like sexy, hey, how you doing look. It was hilarious. So anyway, I just wanted to give that example because it's, there's so many great apps that you can interact with nature for. And so that to me is really exciting because I know we get stuck in this like technology sucks and nature's good and there is a meeting in the middle. But in that category of wonder, we want to allow them, like I gave the example with Pascal and the ants, we want to allow them the wonder without talking, without teaching. One of my favorite, as a homeschooler, one of my favorite resources is Steve Spangler Science, and I'll link that for you in the show notes. Uh, Steve Spangler Science does, he sort of specializes in kitchen science. And he, you know, of course, he's got a ton of crap for sale on his website. And not crap, just sciencey stuff that's really kind of cool, but it can get expensive. But he really has a whole section on kitchen science, which is really cool, like just really cheap, inexpensive experiments that you can do in the kitchen. But one of the reasons I locked onto him early on in homeschooling is I just loved his philosophy about science. And he talks about the woe before the age of like 11 or 12. And how you should let the woe be the guide in science. You guys, science is a lot like magic. When you start breaking down some of these experiments, you're like, holy shit, science is magic. But what happens is what do we do? We kill the woe because we want the kids to write shit down. We want them to quantify. We want to teach. Uh, we take a really cool magical science experiment and we go, okay, now let's write all the data that we found and we, we want kids to be excellent students about it instead of letting them experience the woe. And Steve Spangler is so brilliant about this. And I've subsequently heard it on higher educator mavericks that I follow on YouTube. There's some really cool ideas that people have now about education. And one is that the woe, it's the thing that feeds all the work afterwards, right? Like if you if you allow the woe to happen, if you allow the excitement to happen, the child is going to naturally at an older age go to why? Why does that happen? Let me figure this out. 
And there's a really cool TED Talk. If you just, if you Google higher, you know, Google education, uh, you know, on TED Talks, if you Google why kids don't need to go beyond sixth grade math, and I'm not saying that's a, that's how I feel, but, but if you Google that, you pull up some real education mavericks that have some really cool ideas. One of the guys discovered he worked in an inner city school. And of course, these kids, like, he'd pull out these equations. We do education all wrong. We pull out equations before we pull out the need for equations. We're doing geometry and angles before we pull out the need to do it. So this math teacher, he he figured that out. So he was giving kids examples. And, he, you know, he was doing skiing and ski slopes. And he was trying to explain angles and speed and all these, you know, physics concepts and geometry concepts with skiing. And then he looked around. This had worked for him before in other classes because the kids were invested in how fast they were going down the mountain. Then he could introduce the equation. But in this school, it wasn't working. And he looked around. He had inner city school kids who had never in their lives set foot on a ski mountain. So he changed it to basketball shots. And he was like, okay, who plays basketball? Of course, all the hands were raised. And then he set it up so that the kids were in competition, but they had to figure out the angle of the ball based on where they were standing. And suddenly he had this engagement. Suddenly the kids wanted to do the actual work, the equation work, because the wonder was there. He set up the woe. He set up the excitement beforehand. And so I think, you know, not only does this relate to, you know, Scott Sampson and this, how do you, how do you fall in love with the outdoors? How do we not kill it? But this lays the groundwork for later education. And, and I just want to keep encouraging you guys at this age to let go of the idea that you need to fill your kid with information. You really do just need to facilitate. You need to let the wonder run its course and the wonder may run its course and, and then just end. And that's okay too. In the myriad of things that are exciting in the world, your child is going to find something. So just let all that go notice, ask the questions, listen for the answers, stop teaching, engage your child, let your child engage with the world around them, hands on, you know, really picking up things, not just engaging in conversation, but engaging in their physicality and allow that wonder. All right, you guys, I'm going to log off for today. As always, rock on. All right, I'm going to sign off for today. You can always go to jamieglowacki.com for the super cool latest updates, including the launch of my new book, yummy new book presale treats, when we release new episodes, and how to work with me directly. And of course, if you need any potty training help, there's a handy link there that will take you to all my potty training resources, including all my courses. That's the Oh Crap Potty Training online course, my pooping solutions course, and my night training supplement. And if you need additional help, how to book with a certified OCRAP consultant. That's all at jamieglowacki.com. Have a beautiful day and rock on.